Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, friends, and welcome in for another episode of Vol Club Confidential. I'm your host, Austin Price of VolQuest.com. The orange and white game coming up this Saturday at $5 admission to get in. The great people at Spire have worked with local sponsors to be able to get tickets for underprivileged youth through the Emerald Youth Foundation. We appreciate them. And let's talk about that now with our very good friend, Brandon Spurlock. Brandon, able to get some you know some local sponsors to come in and, and buy those five dollar tickets to get you know butts in the seats over at Neyland Stadium expecting a really good crowd coming up Saturday for the orange and white game yeah we're approaching being sold out of the allotment that we have and you know the folks at Advent Electric have been great um, and that story has kind of gotten some national attention it's really a starting point for us in terms of a local sponsor that really embraced what we were doing and you know we're, we're, we've got many other opportunities within volunteer club volunteer legacy um, inspire all the things that we're doing um, I think this this show for instance is a, is a thing that has become a, a top three sports show in knoxville in such a short time just in this market based on over a million views on the episodes that we've done here so um, opportunities similar to what advent has already done you know within this show and within what we're doing um, on our website and different different promotional opportunities within there up over 2400 members but i think everybody can you know the fans can do better i mean if you don't understand you know how nil works if you don't understand that you know five dollars for as little as five dollars a month you can have an impact on you know tennessee student athletes then you know contact the people here with the volunteer club can't contact brandon spurlock james clausen will watkins hunter badour <clears throat> uh, sheridan gannon and uh you know just ask questions i mean i think that's the biggest thing is you know there are so many people that just don't understand right i mean i, I think that right. there's some you know uh you know just i think it's just some ignorance out there about how you can be involved how you can impact tennessee student athletes yeah people are still learning and we've had waves you know i know how hard it's been to get 2400 members but we think every day we should have 10 or twenty thousand or fifty thousand. Sure. and it, it takes work and it takes effort and we've we've really leaned into you know our members that have been leaders and just wanted more and so we've we've kind of created or we're creating a, a captain's program throughout the state where you can be a county leader and really if you want more and you want you know want to embrace your membership and you want to find others like you we're going to create incentives and um, really 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 treat those people with care that are helping us get out there and recruit and so that's we've seen an uptick here just in the last week as we're in an off you know an off season we're ending basketball we're in baseball but football you know as it as it drives things in that football off season we found a way to to lean into those folks and really have seen an uptick here lately and just in the last week or so coming up saturday you have the tailgate for the orange and white game 
Um, I know that's something that you all did all last fall, and it was you know uber successful. Um, and I know it's something you're excited about this Saturday. Yeah, and partnering with Tennessee even better than we were in the fall. So as the rules changed in October, we've been able to lean in on that. You know, with with folks at Tennessee with the Vol Network, working on spacing, working on um, activation opportunities there. So so excited about this Saturday. I can't believe when you when you say it like that, it's this Saturday. So here we are, um, excited to see our, our our guys play and excited to have our our Vol Club members out again and and uh, kind of get it back into action. All right, that is Brandon Spurlock. Now let's get to the main attraction, wide receivers coach Kelsey Pope. Coach Pope, just over a year ago, you are getting ready for your first spring practice and you know, the first year you're here, you're in the bullpen, so to speak, and there and, and there with all the QCs and GAs, and you're in a room with a bunch of people. All of a sudden, you have your own office. How different was that moving in there and, and moving up to the big chair, and how much fun was that to kind of mold that room into kind of what you envisioned it to be? I think um, I'm probably just now realizing how chaotic that was at the time uh, because when you get in it, the only thing you can focus on is really the next task. And sure. like you said, trying to get the guys whatever they need to become successful uh, and to produce ultimately. So uh, it's been a whirlwind. I think now sometimes I look back on how crazy that was and it's cool to look back on. But for me, it's always started and ended with my players, um, what they need and how I can eventually get them to be successful uh, at whatever they want to be successful at. I don't think anybody was more excited um than those players last year when you got promoted. I mean, they were pumped. I mean, like, you were kind of their guy. Not that, you know, Cody wasn't, but, like, they I had a connection with you. Um, you know, what do you think allows you to connect well with young guys? Man, for one, like, being relatable. And to be relatable, you got to be vulnerable. Uh, you got to share stories with them. Uh, you got to share successes. You have to share uh, failures, and, and, and you have to share those things with them. So I've always tried to be transparent with where I was in my journey because um, I think it allows them to get through whatever hurdles, whatever obstacles they have. Um, and so I think that transparency has helped me create a ton of long-lasting, genuine relationships. Um, I think that transparency and those relationships also allow me to coach those guys hard because they understand I love them. They understand I know what they're going through and what they've been through. So when I'm coaching them hard, they understand that it comes from a place of love. And not just it's not just only a critique from a guy who's trying to do his job. It, it almost feels like a family member who's trying to maybe become better in everything I'm doing. So uh, that's probably been my most fortunate gift in this whole thing. Coach Pope is from Sylacauga, Alabama. Yes, sir. Growing up there, kind of take me through what that was like. I mean, like, you know, what, what was it like being a kid? And I mean, I'm, I mean, all the way back when, when you were five, six years old, what, what, were, you, what were you into? What were you doing? Um, you struck me as a guy who probably had a fairly big family. Yeah. Sundays after church at Grandma's no for doubt. lunch was no a doubt. big thing. No doubt. It was, you know? it was, I mean, those memories exactly are vivid. Like, Sunday dinners being there until. Uh, after church till eight nine o'clock, like you can't see grass in the front yard because there's cars everywhere. Yeah. Uh, softball games in the summer. Um, I can remember my first memory playing football was uh, like right out of outside of a softball stadium, and we played like football with a cup. And the only way you could get get down is to be tackled like full body tackle. <laughs> so it was like uh, I had on my best dress like Easter suit, and I come back with like grass stains. 
and my knees. And uh, I got lit up pretty bad when I got home from my mom. <laughs> but uh, that's like my most vivid memory playing football. And it was like against an older crowd. And after leaving that day, like I got the recognition that I was tough. <laughs> so uh, from that point on, I kind of had some confidence about me and being a tough player and tough person, being able to deal with tough situations. I think that's always been something that was important to me. Those, those, when you have those ingrained memories, like is there, is there a point in time, like that you can smell something and all of a sudden it just takes you right back to to those things. Like grass, getting on the grass, and like that instantly brings you back to the fall and football. And my favorite time of year is like August, right when it goes from summer and the temperature starts to come back down, and you wake up in the morning and. The sun is coming up and it smells like football season. <laughs> like it gives you you chill bumps almost on your arms. So um, I think those memories are vivid and will always be vivid to me. When did you realize you were going to be good enough to play football and play it in college? Oh, that's a good question. I think, um, man, I didn't start playing football until like seventh, eighth grade. Uh, play like receiver in middle school. You don't really throw the ball in middle school. And high school, I played quarterback. Uh, we were a triple option team, and um, my freshman year uh, started on varsity. I think kind of at that point, I started to see, okay, like, I've got a gift at, at kind of doing this. And sophomore year, um, had a really good year. Junior year, senior year, followed those up. And I think uh, from a very early age, I always felt like I was gifted athletically. I just didn't know how gifted I was because I'm from small town. Like you only know what you're accustomed to and what you are around. Um, I think as I start getting exposed to other guys in other regions, um, I could start to poke my chest out a little bit when I held my own. Sure. Uh, and so honestly, that confidence through sports has has carried me even to this day. Like I feel comfortable going in a bunch of rooms, even if I start out, you know, uh, unfamiliar or something like that, I think eventually, you know, the confidence that I had growing up, working through situations and working through issues, I think it still sticks with me today. Do you think that helps you as a recruiter from a standpoint of being able to go in different rooms and and, and different areas? And I mean, I think, you know, to be a chameleon as a recruiter is the best compliment you can get because, I mean, you can go into, you know, backwoods, you can go into inner city, you can kind of relate to everybody. I think you have to be confident. Like, recruiting, especially at this level, is like dog-eat-dog. Uh, I think for me, my biggest trade in recruiting has been I could go from Wall Street to Martin Luther King Street, right? Like, I went to a a private liberal arts college. I grew up uh, in a tough area uh, where things weren't handed to you um, and where you you had to be who you say you are. Um, And so I think one thing that holds true, no matter what kind of living room you go into or what demographic or background, I think you have to be who you say you are. I think you gotta be genuine, um, and I think you have to be interested. I heard a, a saying one time, it was like, uh, the most interesting person in the room is the most interested person in the room. So I can't go into your household and just be uh, interested in what you can do for me. Like, I have to be able to pour into you to ultimately get you to where you wanna go. So um, that's always held true for me, and in recruiting, um, it's been super helpful when, and playing that into reality and i would say that that, that works in, in that wide receiver room too the guys that are most interested and you know, kind of like the buy-in jalen had last year ends up resulting into Golf award 100 i think experiences help us become interested right like Jalen's a kid who is a phenomenal football player who's really always been a phenomenal football player 
Um, it just now played out to the world. Um, and for him, his sophomore year, uh, he, he's very vocal about saying, like, it didn't go the way he thought it would. Uh, and the experience that, that fueled him was Bayless getting drafted, right? Bayless being his peer, him seeing Bayless's growth, he got drafted. Um, and Jalen came to me around this time last year. He was like, Pope, let's come up with a plan. Um, I'm going to work the plan, uh, and we'll live with the results. And that's absolutely what he did. Uh, I've never seen a kid more relentless in his work, uh, never seen a kid more relentless in a goal to become a better person first. And the football aspect just kind of played out after he did that. When you you when you when know that he watched Valus be kind of his reason why to kind of, you know, really dive in, buy in, all that, how much does that give you as a coach to be able to look at some of those younger receivers or someone who hasn't fulfilled what maybe they had hoped and go, there's example A of what happens when we do the right things? It, absolutely. You In this business, recruiting and talking to kids is one thing, but, like, you have to have evidence. Like, you have to have evidence that, man, what I'm saying is real. Like, what I'm saying, if you do it, like, it's absolutely real that it can happen. And I think you see Valus and you see Jalen and you see Cedric and they're the blueprint. Like, we've been here two years and those guys did a phenomenal job of buying in, truly trusting as they bought in and it played out on the back end. So when I'm talking to Brew McCoy or Chaz Nimrod or Caleb Webb or Squirrel White or Dante Thornton, when I'm talking to any of those guys in the room, like, it holds weight now because it's evidence of this is what it looks like when you do it the right way. How competitive are you? We all know how hi- how how competitive <laughs> hype is. I mean, he, I mean, the dude can't let go losing in bowling to Dante Thornton on a visit a yeah. few months ago. How competitive are you in those situations? And and like when hype takes the whole team over to the softball field and does home run derby or, or plays basketball or whatever, are you are you one of those guys like yeah, I want to see if I still got a little bit in? Super competitive. I I give you a story about hype. Uh, so, to put it all in perspective, when I got to Tennessee, I was a Division three coach, D2, really climbed my way up from the ranks. So, before I got to Tennessee, uh, I was at uh, Gardner-Webb. I was at Gardner-Webb as co-OC receivers coach. So, this was my first SEC experience. So, Hype hires me when he gets here, um, and we're playing, like, noon basketball, right? Exactly what you said is true about Hype. Like, he is uber competitive never wants to lose, like, and he'll try to, like, play some mind games before any event, like, <laughs> to make sure he's got an edge. He's got, like, some Kobe Bryant, like, mama mentality stuff to him. <laughs> so he goes, nobody touch the head coach. Like, if you guard the head coach, you don't touch him. And in my head, I'm, like, super competitive. I'm like, yeah, right, like, don't touch the head coach. <laughs> right. So um, super competitive about basketball. Grew up playing my whole life. So we start hooping, and I get in the rhythm. And it's a loose ball, and I'm going after it, like, dang near diving on the court. And I feel somebody out of the corner, like, not really caring who it is. I just see a loose ball, and I go after it, and it's hype. I fall on top of him with the ball. He's, like, underneath me, and I'm looking like, man, I just fell on the head coach. And he's got this look like, like, all right, bro, you messed up. So everybody's laughing. The guys that came from UCF with him, they know him, like, He's super com- competitive. Like, he don't want people touching him, like, when they're playing basketball. So, that's been, like, a rule for forever for these guys. Like, I'm the new guy on the block. I'm in the SEC. I've let my competitive spirit take over in the moment. So, we finished playing ball. 
he don't really say anything to me, so I'm a little nervous. I don't really know what's going to go on. I get back to the coach's locker room, and I don't have anything in my locker. Like, no gear, shoes, everything's out of my, my locker. And I look around, and everybody's looking at me. And it's like, Hype did it, man. He told you not to touch the head coach. I'm like, man, I'm going to have to call my fiance, my mom, and tell him I got fired for playing pickup basketball and running over the head coach. And thank goodness he was joking. Like, he's playing a joke. But uh, that that speaks to Coach Hype and his sense of competitiveness. Like, if he says something, he means it. In other words, Hype, if you watch Major League, Hype pulled a Roger Dorn when he puts the, 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 the slip in Charlie Sheen, Charlie, yeah. Charlie Sheen's locker to make him think he got yeah. cut. And, <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Is he the best practical joker on the staff? It's Coach Hyper? Yeah. No, no, I wouldn't say that. Best practical joker. Who would that be? Who Man, you, you got to have a head on a swivel with? That's a good question. I feel like you got to have a head on a swivel for players more than <laughs> coaches, man. Like They come in with all kinds of stuff. Scooters and, and new – Bayless had a ferret. <laughs> like, I've never seen somebody with a pet ferret, so – I think you got to have your head on the swivel for players before coaches. I think coaches, man, we 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 don't have a lot of time to play games, so guys are usually just laser focused. Biggest impact on you as a coach growing up, or or when you got to college, or even as a as a young coach, what who, who's who's had the biggest impact on you? Pat Sullivan, hands down. Uh, for those that don't know, he was my college coach. He won the Heisman Trophy at Auburn. Was a quarterback at Auburn back in the day. Um, was the reason why I got into coaching. He recruited me to Sanford. It was the only scholarship offered to play quarterback. Um, everywhere else was uh, recruiting me as a DB receiver. And he gave me a shot to play quarterback. And I was like 17, 18 years old on campus, and he told me I was going to be a coach one day. And I'm looking at him like, bro, like, are you insane? Like, I would never do that. Y'all stay <laughs> up here too long. Like, y'all don't have personal lives. Like, I'm not doing that. And lo and behold, that's what happened. Like, he would always say that. Uh, and just the way he handled himself, like the way that he put his wife first and his family was always important, uh, the way he made relationships, uh, the most important thing. Like he was uh, really a man's man, stand-up guy. He's one that, that's always left an imprint on me. Speaking of putting your wives first, you're a newlywed. Yes, sir. How, how much fun have you kind of enjoyed that? Uh, just kind of, you know, and, and, and you do have to balance the work because you guys do work a ton of hours, but – you know, just kind of, you know, getting to spend time with her and, and, and kind of getting to go through uh, through this young journey together. It's been awesome. And I'm fortunate because she understands, like, the lifestyle. She understands the time commitment that I, I have to give to these She players. understood going in. Correct. I actually met her. I was a young coach, still a young coach. It was a couple of years ago at, at Tennessee Tech. I was there. And she was, like, in the recruiting office at, at UGA and um, was – I was there networking, seeing some old coaches that um, I had kept in contact with, and we met there. Um, so she had been in the business and kind of understands, you know, what it takes. Um, she's got a heart for the kids, bigger heart than I do. Um, I'm super fortunate in that regard because uh, she gets the recruiting. She understands why the relationships are important to me, um, and she understands why I want her around so much um, because I think – you mentioned it, man, the, the role model piece is, like, super important. Like, I want these guys to have a positive role model, not only on the field, but, like, what it's like to be a, a husband, what it's like to be a father. I think those those things are, are critical to have 
a blueprint and a prime example that is tangible and that you can touch daily and talk to daily. I think that that's extremely important. Uh, she's phenomenal at you know being supportive for me and also for the players and the parents as well. She does an incredible job. So it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. You also have your first kid on the yes, way. Sir. I remember when we found out we were pregnant with our first like i didn't, couldn't tell anybody but there was we we do our rivalry thursday games on thursday night and, and madison hawks are now our name now she actually works for valley sports she covers the uh, pelicans and the uh and the the uh texas rangers working work nba and mlb and she was in high school at the time at farragut and like she was a little intern with us on <laughs> rivalry thursday and i knew i could tell her because I mean, who would she if she didn't care we were having a baby so i told her and like you know was there that moment for you where you like you know you knew you couldn't tell anybody but like you just had to like express how excited you were? Yeah, I called my twin brother and told him. He uh, he actually coaches D line in Memphis, but he's the first one I told. Uh, actually, her sister was the first one we told. She was on Facetime and we just couldn't hold it in. And yeah, so we I told understand. her sister, and then I called and told my brother. How different is it telling family members versus telling your players? Because I, I I know they're excited for you too. And so, like, is is it the exact same, or is do you is it a different type of feeling, different it, type of reaction? It felt very similar for the players. They just excited because they're uncles now. Like, <laughs> they told me, "Man, I hope it's a girl, so on prom we can do this." I'm like, "Bro, relax, like, relax." It's prom, yeah, that's only like, no doubt. That's they, only 16 they, years from now. They're 15 years ahead. <laughs> uh, but family, like, it, it was a very similar reaction. Like, very similar reaction. Our both of our parents are excited. Uh, siblings, brothers, sisters are excited. So, it's a uh, it's a blessing for sure. And we're in a unique situation, and we got all the faith in the world that you know our support system, everybody will help us as much as they can, because it takes a village. So. Yeah, no doubt about that. Yeah. Uh, grandparents, get ready. <laughs> um, better athlete, you or your brother? Man, uh, him. <laughs> That's good, but that, that see, I like yeah. that. I like the honesty. Yeah, yeah. What what making him the better athlete? Um, I think he he played multiple positions. He was more versatile. Uh, he was six two two thirty two forty five, so he could play tight end and linebacker. Um, I wanted to play DB, uh, but my my high school coach would not let me play quarterback. So, did there ever times, whether you were playing or not, even even to this day, where you, you almost have kind of like that thought process to call him and he's thinking about you at the same time. I mean, you guys spent, you know, it's so much like, time to grow. It's together. like twin telepathy. It's supposed yeah. to be like a real thing. Yeah. We, we do that a lot. Usually a text, a uh, call. Um, it's funny cause in this industry, like you get busy a lot yep. and we talk to each other. I could call him in two weeks or two months and it's like, we pick up right back off. So it's, uh, it's fortunate to have someone on the, the same journey with you. It's, it's a neat experience. Thing you admire most about him. Oh, uh, I say his heart, man. Like, He's an incredibly passionate guy. Uh, he was another another vital reason I got into coaching. Uh, I was still playing ball. I went undrafted to the Cardinals and did like the XFL deal. And he went right into GA and, um, and uh, saw like the strides he was able to make and how much fun he was having. And I kind of jumped into it after seeing the way 
uh, he was so passionate about the work and how he was affecting lives. So he was another big reason. All right, let's take it back to last season. Okay. You get off good start. Cedric Tillman gets the game winner against Pitt. That next week, he gets hurt. As a young coach, what's going through your mind? Because, I mean, now you've got to try to get somebody else ready. And, I mean, he's such a key piece at that point. Jalen's not Jalen at that point. So, what kind of what's going through your mind? Honestly, for me, um, it's just, man, like always being competitive. Like, I think I go into situations preparing for the worst. Uh, not in a morbid way. Um, not in a detrimental way, but – I want guys and also myself to be aware enough and ready enough that if the bottom falls out, we can still sustain and, and make plays and produce. So for me, like as a coach, as you see players start to grow and kind of get to that next next level um, and as guys grow and they earn trust with you, I think good coaches try to pick and choose like, all right, this is the next one I have to have ready or that guy needs to be ready. Um, said we he was the only guy coming back with a thousand yards in the league. Um, kind of had a good feeling about him. Continued to coach him super hard, but Jalen was one that we kind of had our thumb on. That man, like this is a guy. If we figure it out, if he figures it out, it can be special. Uh, Ramel Keaton, Squirrel White were two others. Um, so I think you constantly always have to have that one in the chamber. That man, like if a guy goes down and. Everyone says next man mentality. Like, I think you have to train that. That way when it happens, it's just routine. You don't flinch at all because you're prepared for it. Um, and so that was always my mentality, you know, in practice as we uh, prepared. Um, and lo and behold, it happened. The the most fortunate part about all that stuff is none of the guys flinch. Jalen didn't flinch. Ramil didn't flinch. Uh, Brew, Squirrel, those guys didn't flinch. They kind of just kept rolling the boat and it was next man up. Ramel, he just kind of goes about his business, yeah. keeps making plays. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he yeah. was that way in high school. Like, he, he wasn't real flashy. He just caught a bunch of touchdowns, got a bunch of yards, and just kept rolling. Um, same way here. I mean, can how, how do you describe him? What he means to the room? What does he bring to the room? Uh, Ramel's a savvy vet. <laughs> He's the one that's, that's been around the block and uh, extremely smart kid, like super smart kid. Um, he has some stuff to work through, and he's grown tremendously on and off the field. Um, for him, it's just bringing his experience and his knowledge, and he has a unique way of seeing the game. Um, in a lot of ways, he helps me see the game in different from different perspectives. Um, but he he's a savvy vet, man, like super savvy, and the guys really look look up to him and look forward to you know bouncing ideas and things like that off of him. At what point last year were you most proud? Was there a moment in the season, a moment in a game? It doesn't have to be just broad picture. It can be a specific one where you're like, man, that was that was it. I was honestly, I was super proud um at the end of it all. Like I was super proud right after the Orange Bowl, just thinking about everything we overcame. Like, you think about that Florida game and Cedric Tillman said it before the game, man, like this is the biggest game that, you know, we've had in Knoxville in 15, 20 years, right? And my response to that was, this is unique, right? This is a huge game. But if you treat this game the right way and you prepare the right way, like, then it will sustain itself and every game the rest of the year will be a big game, the biggest game that you've had in Knoxville. Or you can't handle it the right way, you don't prepare the right way, and it's prom night. It's one and done. 
And those guys heard that and did it. Bama heard that and did it. Uh, Kentucky game was huge. Like, like they played in a ton of huge games last year. Uh, and the cool thing was that, like, I don't think those moments were too big for them. Um, those guys stayed in it. They were even killed. And that's why you have the season you have. I think it takes a bunch of mental fortitude to get in new situations and continue to grow. I think it's human nature for you to get in new situations. And um, there's some, some lacks and you have a hard time figuring it out. But those guys just always, man, rose to the level of play of whoever was next. And to me, it's a lot like life. Like you don't get a lot, lot of opportunities to advance your careers or you, get, you don't get a lot of opportunities to reach your goals and your dreams. But when you do, um, you want to make sure that you have people around you and you're in an environment that can cultivate growth and the pursuit of growth. So I feel like those guys pursued it every single week. And I think at the end of it, man, that's what made me most proud. Everybody can point to that Alabama game, but I thought the two plays in that Florida game at the end of the half, the obviously the diving catch by Romel, but then the sliding catch by Brew, whereas two of as big a plays in the season – that you know, once you got past that Florida game, then it was easier to get you know go to LSU. And those games build more confidence. That yeah. Now when I'm in that situation again, like I'm not thinking it's routine. It just begins to become muscle memory almost. So uh, it was good. It was really cool to see those guys grow. This spring, you've got some young guys going through. You know, Bruce not out there, and you know, who who do you feel like as as you know, kind of I won't say is is like Jalen because I don't think that's fair right um but who, who do you feel like has really kind of honed their focus um wanting to take that next step being hungry to make a move I think uh I think a bunch of guys in a lot of different ways have done that I think uh Caleb Webb is one that stands out uh Chaz Nimrod is one that stands out Squirrel obviously uh works his butt off every single day uh Dante Thornton has been an incredible addition to the room. Uh, Nathan Leacock, true freshman, um, just came off a, a really good scrimmage. So I think in a lot of different ways, it's hard to say who's going to have this jump or who's going to improve here. I think that's a part of the journey. You just got to continue to go and, and, and force guys to continue to compete and get better. But um, there's been some bright spots out of a bunch of guys. Some social media questions for you. Do you have any hidden talents? I don't. <laughs> no singing, no dancing. Uh I don't do video games. If there was one thing you wish you had learned to do when you were a kid, is there is there is there one thing? I think I, for me, I think it'd be play the guitar. But I, I wish I would have learned like uh, different languages, like Mandarin. Like I know a little Spanish from taking in high school. French. My my wife does like this Duolingo thing. She's got like a six hundred day streak on whatever the app is. It teaches <laughs> you a language. Uh, so I, I think learning different languages would have been cool. What is one thing that you that most people would uh, be surprised by about you? Um, I'm a huge documentary guy, like, uh, like old World War II docs, uh, any kind of documentary. It could be black and white. Like, I love JFK. Hundred percent. That's my favorite. That's president. hype. Hype is a huge JFK guy. JFK is my favorite president. He dropped that stuff, and when we did Volco Confidential, and the next day I started texting him like, like. All right, give me your theories. Who was it? And he's like texting me back, like 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 detailed responses. Yeah. And I'm like, this is great because I mean, like you know, he yeah. just fills back the onion a little His bit. Favorite president. Rapid fire question. Nickname. Uh, KP. Yeah, that's easy. I figured it was because yeah. mine's AP. Yeah. Um, first concert you ever attended? Uh, Kanye West concert. It was actually in Nashville, Bridgestone, a couple years ago. Only concert I've been to. Sports you'd coach after football? Golf. I'm on this golf kick. What's the 
My God. What's the uh, documentary we've been watching called? Full Swing on yeah. Netflix, a documentary. Love it. What superpower would you want if you could get one? I probably want to read mine. <laughs> that probably sounds creepy. Y'all might have to delete that. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite junk food? Oh, I am a junk food fanatic. Like, I'm a cereal guy, like cereal connoisseur. Uh, I love the Sour Patch Kids, the, the watermelon Sour Patch Kids. The gummy bear life shape. Like, I could talk about junk food forever. Kelsey's that guy that goes to Dollar Tree and gets the Sour Patch Kids to go to the movies, aren't you? So, I'll tell you this. <laughs> I'll give you this. Wildberry Pop-Tarts. Biggest gem ever. Nobody knows what they are. They're always sold out. If you hear this, go get Wildberry Pop-Tarts. That's not an ad. Like, Wildberry Pop-Tarts. <laughs> Wildberry Pop-Tarts for NIL deal. Uh, favorite TV show? Uh, that's a good one. Um... We've been watching The Wire. Uh, during spring break, we watched The Wire. It's a really good TV show. Did you ever watch 24? I did not. I watched Prison Break. It's along the same lines, right? Yeah. Prison Break was a really good one. You should, should get on you know, 24 if you can get to it. Your really Honor is a really good TV show also. The HBO. Yeah. We just, just finished that. Nice. Giving presents or getting presents? Uh, ooh, my, my wife will say getting presents. <laughs> She'll say getting presents, but they're always right. Getting presents. <laughs> Are you ever like when you when you buy her a, a gift for her birthday or Christmas or something? Do you ever like get one and go, "This is good. She's gonna be excited about this." Like you know what I mean? Like you're as excited to see her get it because you know it's something she really wants. Yeah, I'm super excited about seeing her get gifts. Uh, I'm sure she's super excited about seeing me <laughs> get her gifts also. But she's super appreciative. I think the reaction is always the coolest part about giving gifts, seeing everybody's reaction. Do you ever get something and you're just like, man, I hope this is right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's that kind of like you think, but you don't know. And I'm super some... picky. Like, uh, about what I wear and how it goes on and, you know, like, bed sheets, like, to a T, like, super picky. So, uh, I'm probably hard to get gifts for. So, we'll go, we're going to go with you're a neat freak then. Probably, like for sure, absolutely, one thousand percent. Is this true? His <laughs> wife's right over here. Okay, just making sure. I'm just making sure she's not having to clean up the house at all. Yeah, nah, nah. I don't get that crazy. I'm usually. You got coming, pets? We do. This is a a sensitive subject. We have a cat. And you're not a cat person. I wasn't until I met my wife and inherently had to be a cat person you, you adopted one i did so her name's coco uh she weighs about 165 pounds and she sits on the couch and she's got the couch it's her so uh she she's a phenomenal member of the family it's her house we just live there <laughs> <laughs> that's phenomenal phenomenal hardest part if you started talk, thinking about names for the baby i don't know if she's going to tell you but JFK being my favorite president, we thought of the name Kennedy, if it's a girl. Yeah, I like that. We hadn't found out the gender yet, but um, that's kind of a name that we we thought of. I do like that. I, I always say that the hardest part is coming up with names because you got to think about, you know, you got to think about acronyms and, no doubt. and all that stuff. No doubt. names and, and, you know, kids these days will, you know, <laughs> and what, what they're going to deal with. You ready for the orange and white game? I'm fired up about it. I think uh, – it's going to be extremely crucial to see some of these young guys in, in critical situations 
uh, see them how they operate in real time, and like see how they operate when coaches are on the sideline. I think in practice, man, I'm super old school because I'm really demanding on our guys because on Saturdays I want them to be bulletproof, like whatever situation they'll be able to get through. Because there's a lot that could go wrong in this league. There's a lot that's going to be th thrown at you in this league. Um, in regards, if you're 18 or 68, if you can handle yourself in those situ situations and you can make plays and be consistent and compete and strain, like you can play receiver at the University of Tennessee. You still think you got one route left in you? Man, I tell our guys all the time, I, I still got about – 250 yards left in me. It could be in one game or 10 games. I got 250 left in me. What, what route was your favorite route? Uh, I could run any route on, on the route tree. Uh, post corners, curls, two seam read. Which uh, one? Which one though was your? You when you when it got called in, you knew you run that route. You're like, this, this guy can't guard me. Uh, probably like a jerk route. It's a double move, about five yards off the ball, working against a Mike backer. Nice. Yeah. One thing you would tell a younger version of you? It's a good question. Uh, honestly, like, keep going. Uh, and I say that for a bunch of different reasons. I think when I was younger, I wanted so desperately to be what I deemed as successful. And uh, I'm just now learning that that term for successful was just, I, mean, I wanted to make an impact and leave an impression on people. Um, I think ultimately, as, as men, like, we want to leave legacies. Um, and once I got done playing ball, that was my question myself. Like, I thought about getting in medical sales and doing things for the money. And uh, the biggest thing that I could take, or biggest thing I could leave on this earth is a legacy for my family when I'm long gone. And the best way to do that is to help others go achieve and reach their dreams. I got to a point where, man, I've seen a lot of places and been in a lot of seats that I never thought, you know, growing up in Silicon, Alabama, I'd get to. And once you get to a certain point, I think there is a sense of gratitude. Um, and I think it takes over you. And for me, coaching is a way of, of giving back and really worshiping. Um, it's a way of, of treating that same 15-year-old Kelsey Pope. That's how I look at all these guys in, in the room. Like, man, whatever I needed, whatever I wanted my coaches to be able to give me, like, I try to do that too, the 10th degree. And that's been the formula that's worked for me so far. So. Uh, my my advice to younger Coach Pope would be keep going. Tennessee is such a place where you can leave a legacy because of the history here. How much has that kind of grown on you? I mean, you know, from Alabama, but now you coach here. You know, kind of take me through what you've learned about the history, the people, the place. It's been, like, incredible. And it's, like, humbling saying this because after the Alabama game, like, I don't get on – Twitter a lot or Instagram a lot, but I had like messages from, excuse me, um, citizens in Tennessee, like saying, man, like that was, you know, my last wish before I left earth was to see you guys win a game like that. And I tell our players that, man, like you don't get a, a lot of places in the world that are this passionate about a sports team. Uh, but this game like builds a bridge. Like these, the people around this, this fan base, they can have $15 left in their bank account and they'll pay 14 to come see Tennessee play because if those guys can push through whatever they're going through and win a game, like I can continue to get through what's going on in my life. And I think that's what makes this game and sports so powerful. It's, it's a form of currency that it inspires anybody regardless of race, color, background. Like 
it's an incredible tool to have. And I try to always remind our guys to use that for the benefit and always remember like they're in a fortunate position. We appreciate you joining us. Uh, it's been a great look at this guy right here. He's done a great job of connecting with not only the players of Tennessee, but connecting with prospects. And uh, we look forward to see what the future has in store. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you guys for having me. Appreciate it. He's KP. I'm AP. We'll see you next week, everybody. <laughs>